Welcome to the Sober Experiment podcast by Be Sober. I'm Alex, one half of Be Sober. And I'm Lisa, the other half. So if you're new to our podcast, Lisa and I have been the bestest of friends since high school. And after many years of getting absolutely smashed together, we decided to experiment with being absolutely sober together. You can find out more about our story by going right back to the beginning of season one. So we started Be Sober with a vision to connect people living a sober or sober curious lifestyle. We wanted to help them feel less alone and show them that you can still have loads of fun without alcohol. Be Sober is now the only sober community that has absolutely everything that you need in one place. And we believe from the bottom of our hearts that everybody who doesn't want to drink deserves to feel normal. Hi, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> how, I, do you know what? I can't even ask you how you are because I know how you are because I've been with you like all week. <laughs> I know we've had a lovely bestie week, haven't we? From Saturday, we went out together. Yeah. Yesterday. I know we went to a college in North Manchester yesterday to do a bit of exhibiting. That was really good. We had coffee. I think the coffee was my best bit, actually, Lisa, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be honest, right. It, it wasn't that good, was it? <laughs> we, should, we, should we, like, be truthful? We went there. Everybody avoided us like the plague. Um, really, we were doing a mental health awareness day that some of the students had organised, which was really lovely and really good. Yeah. But people were a bit scared of talking to us. But what I meant by really good, genuinely, is the people who did talk to us, I think, had some really good takeaways from us. I, you know what I love about stuff like that is, and it, it does really interest me, right? Mm -hmm. So we set our stuff up and we've got like our banner with us pouring drink away and we've got all Be Sober literally written everywhere and it can't but people are just intrigued by it right and you can kind of see them edging towards you a little bit and yeah. then once you start talking to somebody you see their ears prick up and they want to get involved in the conversation and I know that before I stopped drinking I would have been exactly the same but what did somebody say yesterday there was somebody come up to the table and they're like oh I don't think this isn't this is not for me because I'm not an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. And they ended up spending ages with us, actually, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. really. Like, oh, no, no, no. This is exactly for you. Stay here. Let us tell you more. <laughs> I know. I love that. When somebody says that to me, I'm just like, yes. And you know what else I love? <laughs> I don't even know why. But I love, like, telling people that alcohol is the same as what they sanitise their hands with. I love it. I love today. saying it. Because it doesn't matter who they are. They, their eyes go, oh, yeah, my God, like, it is. I know, and, then yeah. you are, and now you throw in the anaesthetic bit as well. But yeah, I love that. I love that. I just need to remember the year. So it was the 1970s that alcohol was actually banned as an anaesthetic because it was too dangerous. Like, that's ridiculous, isn't it? That's actually, when you say that out loud, that's crazy shit. 
It's mad. It's mad. What about my injury? Can we just discuss my injury, right? I'm, oh, I'm now okay. holding up my arm, right, into the camera, which you will not see. And it looks really small. But oh my God, shit. It like, actually, I'm like, I'm, I'm actually exaggerating this now, but I'm not meaning to. It's not even hurt me once, right? But. <laughs> <laughs> But well, you like, would never have known that, Alex. Yeah, you would the never. Pole, like, the pole shot through the bottom of our roller sign and it proper stuck in my arm, right? And it has grazed the skin off in like a semicircle. It and looks like a smiley face. It does look like a smiley face. It, and honestly, I just kept looking at it at the time, if you remember going, and I was actually more worried that it might hurt, which, right, then brought me to another place in my mind because last night on my be sober members coaching I actually told somebody it really isn't worth worrying about the future because then you suffer twice if oh yeah that is true if bad stuff's gonna happen worrying about it happening isn't actually going to stop it from happening you're just going to suffer while you get in there and then suffer when you get there and then I thought and here's me looking at my arm going oh it might hurt hurt." it's not hurt it's not can we talk about that actually because when you said that it, for me as your best friend, right? This is really interesting to hear you with your coaching hat on yeah. and giving that kind of advice. When I reckon that Alex, that I know, yeah, was a worrier about about the future all, all of the time. So honestly, Lisa, I lived in proper fear at one point of just life right which is weird and I think I've lived like that for forever for, for you know everyone who's listened right back at the beginning knows why and I think I've lived in a state of high alert being worried about what the future might hold quite a lot of the time so I've obviously had good periods where I don't but when I get stressed it comes out in this never-ending anxiety of what if what if what if and honestly I only think I've turned that corner in the last well since getting sober since getting sober I've turned that corner of well me worrying about what might happen for example after my miss after that first miscarriage wasn't going to stop the second miscarriage happening it still happened in fact yeah. it probably added to the problem because it would mean that I was higher more stressed and I'm not saying that um it wouldn't have happened anyway even if I was completely relaxed we know it would have done because of the medical dis- condition underlying it but what is the point in living in like perpetual fear to then experience something that happens that actually is never as hard when it happens because you're actually in the moment and dealing with it as when it is when you're thinking about how you're going to deal with it. Like if that thing on my arm, this is superficial and minor, but if that thing on my arm had have hurt, how long would it have hurt for? Five minutes, 10 minutes a day. I'd have got through it, but worrying about whether it's going to hurt just prolongs it. Now, and I think that's easier said than done. That's well, it is, but you've just made me think of a quote um, about... And oh, then I've forgot it again. <laughs> no, I haven't. It's um you you've got through a hundred percent of your bad days. Yeah. And it, and it's true, isn't it? Like every single bad day that anybody has had, you have you've gotten through it so far. Yeah. And I just think you're here really still, you're reading through it. Yeah. Yeah. But worrying is not. I don't really worry me about it. No, I know you don't. And I think you've been part of the reason. I do believe you've been part of the influence on me to stop me worrying. With saying quite hard-ass things, actually, like 
there's no point in worrying you just need to deal with it you know like it might sound harsh that but actually it's also really true and it goes you were back saying to that tone as well surely uh, I wouldn't no no because you're my best friend of course not but you <laughs> but the me- the underlying message however you said it has been stop whinging and feeling woe is me get off your ass and I'm sorry I'm going to swear now not that I've ever apologised for that and fucking do something about it stop stop you know whining. what I'm I was talking about this the other day and I'm a really big believer in this and it, it's hard in kind of what we do to be like this. So like with you, I would say, right, come on now, sort yourself out. We can't we can't be worrying about that. Do you know what I mean? And I, yeah, I would, would be I would be gentle say and compassionate. I do want you to know that because I don't want you coming off here later going, oh, am I really like that? Right? So you would be <laughs> worrying about it. <laughs> yeah, you'd be completely gentle with empathy and compassionate. But the ultimate underlying message would be sitting here worrying about it is a waste of energy. I, I find it hard that people don't do stuff to change yeah the lives and and I do honestly it, I don't know what it is and this is why I don't do the coaching right <laughs> because I, gen- to us, right? I genuinely find it hard like I've, I've been around people um and this is not going to be you know there might be somebody listening going fuck off Lisa <laughs> and that is absolutely fine honestly it really is but I've been around people who have had depression a lot in my life a lot I've I've been married to them. I've had best friends. I've got family, like really close. Yes. I've birthed them. I'm that best like, friend, by the way, and I know there are others, but I am that best friend. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I was actually you I wasn't. Don't. I was thinking about somebody else, and I find it really difficult that people can sit there and say, "I'm so depressed, my life shit, this is awful," and then not do anything about it. Now I get right feeling a bit shit. I get it, and I do not wake up thinking. Yay! I'm going to smash the world. I have to have a word with myself, and I, I do all these things. To, so I get to that stage. So I might meditate or say affirmations, or have a word with myself in the mirror, or punch punch my hands and go, "Yes, come on, Lee, you can do it." But what I find really hard is people wanting to change their lives and then not doing anything about it and relying on stuff. Oh, so puff really loudly. <laughs> Oh, did you? I didn't hear because I was twittering. But yeah, I just think if we want to change things, we have a choice and you have to do something. Even if it's like a minute, one minute of trying to help yourself, then that's what, like, and tablets, I really struggle with this as well. And I've had to have... um, antidepressants in in my lifetime but I think what people don't realize a lot of the time is that you have to work with them yeah so you know it's you can't just take these tablets and think all right they're going to make me feel better Get, get out do something it's hard isn't it because what we're saying here is not oh your depression doesn't matter because we both know that being anxious and being depressed from experience as well when you are clinically and chemically imbalanced it is really it's debilitating it's horrific but and here's the thing like you've just said if you're on medication or even if you're not just doing one little thing to change your situation can start to put the pieces together of building better 
they can yes. you know like that day when you came around to me and you said come on Alex you just need to get up and come out for a walk when I was depressed I didn't feel like going for a walk I didn't want to go for a walk I didn't even think how going for a walk would help I ended up hugging a tree and crying on the walk and talking to you and it really was the start of the journey to me stopping drinking so I think yeah one little thing it's do you know what I was just you can't say, just lie there and think that these tablets are going to kick in and make, give you the motivation or make make you want to go out for a walk because they're not they aren't they are not going to do that. No, and it requires work, all of it. You know, even stopping drinking, like there's times in your sobriety where you will definitely feel like having a drink would be easier than doing the work. And it probably would be, but then you're right back at day one. And if you can push through, as you've just said, you've got through 100% of your worst days or whatever you yeah. worded it like. If you push through one more day, you're not going to feel like that the next day. And if you do, maybe it's time to pop off to the doctors and see if there's anything else going on, but also doing that work. What do you think to then? Like, I didn't know this was going to go away, this conversation, but like depression and then circumstantial. So, you know, like before, I just want to ask you about that because you'd said about you was depressed. Yeah. But we also know that was circumstantial yeah. as well, don't we? So I think looking back at my times when I've, and, and this is just my experience, yeah. is the times I've gone to the doctors in my previous life, I don't know why I call it that, but it is, but that's how I see it, I suppose. Yeah. But the times I've gone to the doctors, when I look back on them times, it was 100% my circumstances that I was in. So what my thoughts are around that, because I'm the same, anytime I've been on medication or antidepressants or needed to work on myself has been when shit has happened, right? Yeah. Bad shit has happened. However, I do think I'm predisposed maybe because of past trauma, maybe because of a chemical imbalance, don't suppose I'll ever really know. But I think I am inclined to suffer with depression when things happen. I also think everybody goes through sad or depressed times in their life. I think it's kind of normal to feel like that. We yeah. know there are extremes of it where people just live perpetually like that. So, you know, I'm not 100% sure, if I'm honest, how... How easy? I don't think it would be easy. I think if you are living like I lived in those eight months before I started to get well, every single day, you can't see a way out. You can't feel a way out. You can't find a way out. And maybe it takes somebody to push you to just do that one thing. What I can't, what I can't deny is that even if you are living with clinical depression, where every single day of your life is like that, if you can make yourself just do little things to feel better, you're not going to feel worse. Yeah, it's really hard, isn't it? Because I would not, I'm glad you said that because I wouldn't or don't think that I have the experience with clinical depression I've, <laughs> because there's times where I've, I've been really, really down and felt really, really shit. But yeah. like I said, when I've looked back at it, I think it's been my circumstances and then like a cycle of shit things happening, me feeling shit, some more shit things happening. And, you know, like a kind of living in that cycle of shitness. But if we look back to like our podcast we did with Mark Adderley, he is clinically depressed. Yeah. And, yeah. and talks about that on our podcast. Um, but he still can have good days. 
because he yeah. works on himself. So I think that, yes, the, the level at which you might need to work on yourself might be different. You know, it's not just a case of, oh, get on with it. And that's what I was saying. You didn't kind of go to me, oh, stop worrying, get on with it. And what I said last night, I'm like, get over it. Yeah. Never. <laughs> no, you've never said that. And what that's really important. When you're feeling these things and you're worrying and you're anxious, nobody's saying get on with it. But what it is important to remind yourself of are the things we've just talked about this isn't going to last forever. Um, you've been through worse or as bad before and here you are. And actually, if you look at the moment right, right now, the arm's not hurting. So what are you worrying about it for? It might never yeah. hurt. It might, but let's deal with that when you get there. And I think just talking to yourself like that can bring you back to the moment. And I think when you're suffering from anxiety or depression, staying in the moment is really, really important. Because yeah. often, and we've said this before, depression results from things that have already happened or they've gone. Yeah. And anxiety results from things that might happen in the future. It's not there yet. If you actually look at yourself right So where does anxiety fit into that then? Because... So I think that's just, that's chemical. Anxiety is absolutely chemical. It's to do with the fact that there's shitloads of stimulants floating around your system because you've chucked alcohol depressant in, your body's tried to fight it off. Not, I'm not using technical language. Release a load of stimulants. Good. And your whole, your whole nervous system is on high alert. So you feel anxious you feel worried you feel concerned so that, what did and you that do? then can lead into the week can it because this yeah. is where i suppose people get confused when you're saying that anxiety is about the future and depression is about the, the past, past. Yeah. because for me in truth that don't fit at all in my experience and what i mean by that is so when i used to drink and i would have anxiety that led into the week i would constantly feel anxious but it was actually because of the past yeah whereas my times where i'd have said i've been very down and depressed are actually because of what i think is in the now or what i can can't see in the future so i yeah. feel yeah. that that statement and i've heard it before i definitely have yeah. heard it before but actually i don't think it's as black and white as that it's 100 not but i also wonder whether part of the reason that anxiety is about oh you know what did i do last night what happened partly is because you can't remember so you're actually worrying about people's reactions you, you know what will people think of me what if i go here and someone says something so it's still a little bit about the future yeah but also depression about in the now again is often from experience of bad things that have happened that have brought you to a low point so it, it isn't black and white you're absolutely right it's you know it's a whole host of things one thing i can say alcohol don't freaking help it i know that yeah i was gonna say that and i also want to throw in a book um called i think it's eckard toll i really struggled to listen to eckard toll on audible but um the power of now and I didn't like that. I'll be again, well, again, me being me, I don't, I don't read full books. I get what I need, and then off, off it goes. It goes back on my shelf. I, think I ended it at the same time you did. But what, what I did get from that book, and I think it's really important, is, and we we've spoke about this before, and it would have been something that I'd have said back then, is right next, right here, right now. What what's going on for you? Because that's all you can do. You can only be who you are right here, right now. 
Yeah, and bring and it back to that. And, that's and that, I, I don't, so, but in fact, I've thrown a book out there, but you don't really need to read it all to find <laughs> out that. that that's, that's basically it. <laughs> That is it. <laughs> that message. It's just dragged it out a lot. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about um because you know I love this about my birthday that's just gone. Oh, we talked about this last week. Yeah, like this not is... on the podcast we haven't because it was before. I know we talked about my birthday coming up, but you know yeah, what? Are you sure we didn't speak about it coming up and about your party and that well, yeah, we did. Party, but... We 100% did talk about the fact that I want a party, but I just wanted to draw attention to you know the people that say stuff about um how it's boring on your birthday and on Christmas without a drink and what will you do? Who are these people? The pissed people. <laughs> Send them to me. <laughs> Seriously, right? I just, I don't want to say loads about this, but I really do feel it is my second sober birthday and it was amazing. Didn't do anything, anything like out there. Went for a day shopping, had a mocktail, went for a meal with my family. Obviously, we went swimming on the weekend it was just varied. And that's what I wanted to say. You know what? Now I'm going to say this. Drinking birthdays. When I was 40, I drank on my 40th party. We all know the story if you've listened back. I was absolutely shit-faced, blacked out, didn't see the end of the night, spent the day after my birthday drinking for hair of the dog because I felt so rough. That was my birthday. It was just one big pissed fest. This birthday wasn't. It was absolutely all about doing stuff, experiencing stuff, going for that swim with you. It was amazing. Like, I just loved it. Like, how can people, it might not be going out and partying and dancing, but I had a real variety of stuff going on. And we've still got stuff to do. I can't, I find it really hard to talk about stuff like this because I could think of nothing worse than going out <laughs> partying and dancing. And I know there's so many sober people that still love that and they love still going to yeah. clubs and town and, and doing all these things. But honestly, I just could think of nothing worse and all them things sound so much nicer to do for your birthday. It was lovely. Honestly, I'm tempted to put some... Um, before and after photos together like there's one of me sat on my birthday which we've all seen on Instagram where I look a mess and Leah's my daughter's looking down on me but then there's another one of me on my own this birthday and I'm holding a mocktail and I just look really fresh and alive and happy there's one of you and me drunk at my birthday and then there's uh, when I was 40 and then there's one of you and me this weekend with our swim floats I know how good was that swim Lisa absolutely loved it I don't know what it is every time I'm doing this dipping or swimming I'm loving it even even more the the calm I got from that this weekend was just unbelievable like I don't know whether it was the way she asked us to go in so it was like an organized swim wasn't it this weekend and we we learned stuff it was like a lesson (laughs) <laughs> that bit was great to be fair was it the bit beforehand no like no we, we got some learning we took away some learning I know, but it was long yeah yeah we wanted to just get in didn't we? we just wanted to get in the water didn't we we wanted to go shut up 
passes the floor, off we go. I'm glad Actually, we did know because we did learn a lot, like you say. <laughs> we, we did. We got so much from it. And I think one of the things what, that was so lovely is when we were going in the water, she was saying, breathe as you go under, breathe out. So we'd put our shoulders in and then we'd come up and then we'd do it again. And we did it about four times. And then when we was in, I was just... It was just so lovely. I really, really enjoyed it. So much so that I got home, ordered us all floats. <laughs> so wild swimming. I've, I've started with dipping, but now wild swimming is my new hobby. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to doing another one. And we're going horse riding, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. So Lisa bought me horse riding lesson and then a trek afterwards. And we're going in June, so we'll update you on that because neither of us have been on the back of a horse since we're about 30. I know, I know. It's going to be it's going to be good, though. And again, like, that's a completely different birthday present, isn't it? Like, yeah. on your 40th, well, I, I, I think I might have just brought a bottle or something. I'm sure you did. And I'm sure I drank the bottle. <laughs> yeah. I probably drank it with you. Maybe. Yeah, we might have even opened it there and then... Uh, yeah <laughs> thanks for that though <laughs> um, i am looking forward to the horse riding i really really am it's going to be amazing i think we've twaffled loads today gosh yeah i know that went in a different direction didn't it yeah yeah, yeah. anyway oh. should we talk about our guest yeah yeah we need to introduce our guest i'm so sorry sarah i'm saying sorry to sarah but she's not actually here yet but she will be <laughs> it's a good job she'd be asleep by now I know when she listens back, she'll be like, uh, and when, when do I, I appear? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, today we're going to meet Sarah. And when Sarah was 41, she made the decision to quit alcohol for a year. She told a few friends that she was going to do it. And once she'd said it out loud, she knew she'd have to see it through or lose face. That is literally what I did, but not as excessive. I went for 100 days. Sarah's gone for a full year here. She said she started to count down to a start date, still binge drinking and wondering how she was going to pull it off when she realized that she was stalling for time so she decided to just quit there and then she had a last drink she says they were nothing monumental she was just out with a few friends no hangover the next day and that was that no crushing rock bottom just a feeling of relief about a decision well made let's meet sarah hi hi hello how you doing we're good. It's exciting. About time. Can't believe we've taken so long to get you on the podcast, Sarah. <laughs> Lisa's just done a little introduction, but what we didn't say about you, and we absolutely should have said it first, is you are our Surrey ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. That's exactly who I am, yes. Yeah, I kind of missed that off for some reason, Sarah. I was pinching some of um, your bio from your website and then I like, was like, forgot to mention that you are one of our amazing ambassadors. So how are you? Yes, I'm really well, thank you. Yeah, really good today oh that's fabulous shall we just say today i just said i like how sarah says today i'm really good today it's like we've just been talking about this and you don't even know this but about being in the moment and staying in the moment and you kind of said yeah i'm really good today you like looked at right now so that that was quite fitting sarah and i thought about the word as well um so you know how I i think that whole good answer has come into much more popular use over the last couple of years. Years ago, people used to say, I'm fine, thank you, as their general answer. Mm -hmm. And I kind of think that fine has 
been more often, or this is how I hear it, more often been replaced by people saying, I'm good, thank you. And therefore, I think more often people telling a lie about how they're feeling, because when good trips off the tongue and you just say it, are you thinking about how you are feeling in this precise moment? That wasn't what I'm here to talk about, but seeing as you mentioned today, and I'm good. (laughs) It's so true, Sarah. I say that, or I'm actually maybe old fashioned because I still say, yeah, I'm fine, thank you. (laughs) And it's definitely not always true. You know, we've just done... Um, like we've just been talking before you've got on here. And what I failed to say is actually today, I feel crap today. I'm just having one of them really crappy days that I'm irritable. I think I'm trying, I'm going on holiday and I wonder if I'm like a little bit angsty about airport things and winding down a little bit. Um, So nobody's asked me, but my answer would be, yeah, not great today. I'm not asking (laughs) her after last time because last, honestly, the last time I asked Lisa how she was, I went, how are you? Good. And I actually put the ending on for her and she was well pissed off, Sarah. So I'm not even asking her how she is anymore. Wait till she tells me. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, yeah, but that was because and I think we discussed this at the time is you genuinely wasn't interested in how I was you wanted to move forward you were going oh are you good yeah anyway so (laughs) then it was like hang on a minute if you're not going to ask me let me answer I knew at that point because we'd already recorded about 80 podcasts that day so I knew and I think that's probably where it wasn't genuine you know like I knew she were all right because I'd spoken to her all day and she'd definitely said something if she wasn't no I think I wasn't at the time this is the whole point yeah, that's true actually. that is true because she did actually say as well oh I think this entire podcast season will look like I've just been a grumpy cow for like five weeks but it's just been a day okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is actually true anyway go on Lisa let's get in <laughs> yeah back back to you Sarah and how you are right you know what um I have just done your introduction And we all have our different reasons for being sober. And you said there was no actual rock bottom. So what I kind of want to know is what brought you to the decision to stop drinking for 12 months, Sarah? Because that's like, that's a pretty big decision. Yeah, that's going all in, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had been, I think bumping along for such a long time knowing that I was doing myself a disservice but absolutely refusing to believe that alcohol was the reason um I had a good couple of years where I was drinking all the green smoothies doing all the yoga going for a run taking all the vitamins adding all of these things into my life and refusing to take out the one thing or even talk about the one thing that would make a massive difference if I took it out Um, certainly I was having the conversations with my friends all the time where I was, when I started to think it might be a bit of a problem where I would suggest it and people would cut me down all the time. Oh, you're no worse than the rest of us. Oh, you haven't got a problem. You're not pouring vodka on your cornflakes. If I have to hear that phrase one more time, I might (laughs) just scream. No, I wasn't doing any of those things, but I definitely wasn't feeling as good as I could have done. Mm. Um, I had over the many, many years, so many times when I said I'm never drinking again, you know, all of the hangovers from hell, all of the full fat Coke and egg and chips for breakfast, you know, nothing 
the the fact that I was doing on the one hand these things to make myself feel better and on the other hand you know necking the vino and and ruining all of that good work what was the point in doing all of the good work when you undo it at the end of the day so I questioned it over really quite a long time it was it was 2017 where I knew for sure in June 2017 something had to be different but it took me until 2019 to really get to grips with it I made the decision um probably somewhere around the summer of 2019 and by then I was really moderating my drinking in in a way that I know moderation is a contentious issue but I had stopped binge drinking I was able to go out with my girlfriends by that point and drink two glasses of wine I was able not to puke in the hedge on the way home I was yeah. able not to leave my phone in the back of the taxi I was what many people would call a fully functioning adult able to to not be regularly suffering the hideous hangovers and then it just wasn't good enough it wasn't good enough um I decided that I was going to do a year-long experiment because I knew that I could easily do a month um because I had done dry Januaries and so October's in the past so that didn't feel like a challenge um I knew that um three months didn't feel like enough of a of a big deal and that if I were to say six months it didn't feel as if I would have a whole go at a year trying to get a bit of everything underneath my belt so I decided on a year um, I decided I was going to do it in the October and by the time December came round, I wondered why I was waiting till the 1st of January because yeah. I had it in mind that I was going to do 2020 alcohol free. And actually, by the beginning of December, I thought, hang on a minute, if I can do a work Christmas party, if I can do all of, you know, the carol concert without the fears afterwards, if I can wrap all the Christmas presents, if I can um, have, you know, New Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day yeah. and New Year's Eve. If I've got all of those things under my belt, by the time my year starts, I know that I'll be on to a winner. And so I started before really I I knew what I was doing. I just took a plunge and, and went for it. And the power of now that, look, we've talked that, so many times about now, why not now? I think we'll call this episode something to do with now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or today. Yeah, start yeah. today. I like that. And, and I definitely... Um, I really dislike the whole narrative about the rock bottom. Yeah. It's so much easier to rise up from a place of not good enough than it is from crash and burn. Crash and burn is a hot, you know, I was heading towards it. I could see it in my sights, but I just didn't want to get as close as that. I didn't need a war story afterwards. I didn't want to have to tell the story of I lost my job, I crashed my car, I divorced yeah. my husband, or I didn't want to have that as part of who I was. So that's what made the decision easy. We'll get back to our chat shortly, but first let us tell you some of the things we offer here at Be Sober. Oh my God, there's so much on offer. And today we want to tell you a little bit about our amazing sober events, which are run all over the country. All our events are absolutely free or at cost for anyone who is sober or sober curious. On the last Saturday of each month, we even host an international brunch. So wherever there's an ambassador, there's usually an event. We do everything from axe throwing, skydiving, walks and talks, and even climbing mountains. So, 
Instead of spending your time getting absolutely wasted this weekend, why don't you go and have a look at the events page on our website? Meeting like-minded people can literally change your life. And we know this because it changed ours. It's so interesting and I think it'll be so relatable for so many people because I didn't really have a rock bottom moment, but like actually what you just said then about being able to see it in your sights, I was definitely there and they were looking back drinking was a lot more problematic than I realised it was. So when I first stopped, I'd be like, no, I was absolutely a normal drinker. I was just like everybody else. Now, nearly four years on, I'm like, were I though? Were I? Because I don't think I was. (laughs) I feel like that. And and similarly, you know, like for me, I probably did have a couple of what would be classed as rock bottom moments, but it wasn't a rock bottom like some people's rock bottom. I didn't Mm -hmm. lose my job. I didn't have my marriage up. You know what I mean? I do feel like... A I think series, right, you like just, a series of a series of, of almost rock bottoms. Yeah, I kept yeah. going out, going down and popping back up again, and then yeah. going down and popping back up again. And I just thought, I don't want to live on this yo-yo string, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I love the fact that you said you wanted to try that whole year, because as you know, our experiment is very much based on trying everything once. So yeah. yeah. Great Which idea. is why you lead the supported one. Let's just plug that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I think it is we we get so much power from hearing uh, other people's stories. The more yeah. people that share their stories shine the light so that different people can say, okay, other people are making decisions from from a good place, from a place that doesn't feel so desperate. I think if you make decisions in that place of desperation, it comes with panic and fear of failure and if you can go into it with curiosity attached and thinking you know this is an experiment and you know I never wanted the word challenge I never wanted the word goal I never wanted the word new year's resolution I didn't want any of that stuff attached and and I'm glad that you know the date that I started is the date that I chose that on on that morning I had no no hangover you know I had had a couple of drinks the night before but I didn't have a hangover I'm glad that on the day I started I did not wake up and say oh my god never again yeah Yeah. because how many times had I lied to myself that I'd said that a thousand times before and I'd never meant it and now I do mean it you know what um and and I, and I want to bring this, and I wasn't going to talk about this at all, but it's popped in my head and it did pop up earlier in my head and I didn't talk about it then, so I think I'm meant to do. You will have seen, no doubt, a wonderful comment on somebody's post in the members group. And I won't name anybody, obviously, but one of our members had struggled and gone back to day one. How fantastic was the post that was supportive, encouraging, a kick up the bum and non-enabling? And the reason I want to start talk about that is I honestly, to believe that's your influence on that person coaching them mm. and they've come in and been non-enabling to one of our members I thought it was so powerful and and it's that thing about these day ones you know you've got to dig deep haven't you yeah of course you have yeah yeah and do you know what if this was easy peasy so many more people would be doing it without questioning it without needing yeah. support I thought what would happen is I would say okay I'm not going to have a drink for a year and I'd never think about it again until the year was up how wrong was I? <laughs> <laughs> I was like that I thought about it on Monday morning I never even drank in the week Monday, no, no. the day after I decided to stop I was like 
wine like it's like don't think about the polar bear isn't it yeah of course (laughs) you know know what else I like about this is that you decide you'd kind of set a date and then really because you must have been starting to question your drinking even more because you knew you were going to stop like getting to that point of like why am I doing this now one of the early books that I read and I do not think people talk about this book enough is Alan Carr's Easy Way and I read the easy way for women to stop drinking. I don't know how that differs from the other ones, but he does it. And he did it with his smoking one. Yeah, he did it with his smoking one as well, which I read 10 years ago and, and I've not smoked since. So it must work for me. But I remember in the smoking one, I just couldn't wait to stop because he was like, don't stop yet. But he was like educating me throughout this book. I was like, when can I stop? When can I stop? I was actually excited about it. Did you feel a bit like that? Like, oh, just come on. I just want to stop now. Um, I think so. One of the things that I had done in the October was I'd said it out loud to a group of people in an online group. Um, so not people who were my friends in, in real life. Um, and they had all, they are my friends. <laughs> so you all know everybody, you're not Sarah's friends. Yeah, just so you know. This is not real life. Oh my God. You'll edit that bit out. Of course you will. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> Um, because I had said it out loud, definitely, I think there's that brilliant connection between, you know, whether you write it down, whether you say it out loud, how yeah. you tell your story, what, getting it outside of your head. Um, and I won't say that I was excited about it, but I had set myself up um, for a version of success because those people, when I said it out loud, all looked at me with horror. Um, yeah, I get that. When, why are you going to do? Oh, oh, right. Oh, okay. So, you know, obviously, you know, she needs to do something about that. Not like the rest of us, you know, we're all completely fine with our drinking. <laughs> yeah. I think it was that kind of, I'll show you, I can do this thought in the back of my head that I then need to do it because I couldn't bear the thought of coming back, you know, a couple of months set later and saying, oh, you know, I have had a few drinks or whatever. I felt like I wanted to do it. The original thought was entirely for myself. And then the secondary thought was other people are watching me. So I want to want like to you, Lisa. So very like- much like me. When I put it out there and there was one particular person that was like, whatever, yeah. you'll be drinking next week. And it, insight, it infuriated me. I thought, oh, will I? Will I be drinking next week? Awesome. I will never drink ever again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Powerful. Yeah. You know, while we're talking about like periods of sobriety and before we move on to questioning, I did promise this morning on the BFIT, our wonderful Sam, one of our members, happy soberversary, Sam, two years today. And I know by the time she hears this, it'll be two years and a few days. But uh, happy soberversary, she smashed two years and she was so proud this morning. That's incredible. Well done, Sam. Well done, Sam. Amazing. So, Sarah, can you tell us how you got sober? Like what, what things, what tools did you use? What did you bring into play? Um, I absolutely had no idea what I was doing. I, I didn't know that there were things like sober communities of people. I didn't know that there were books or podcasts or anything. This was, you know, it was 2019. It wasn't the dark ages. Um, I, I had 
picked up a book in a charity shop a couple of years before um, and it was Jason Vale's um, How to Quit Drinking the Easy Way, I think it's called, and it's got a really beautiful pink um, cover and spine. And I put it on my bookshelf the other way round so that the pages were facing out because I didn't want anybody yeah. to see what I was reading. And um, over the course of... I, I left it there, obviously bought it for a reason. I went back and sort of looked at it then at, at the point of the autumn of when I'd been moderating my drinking and was then considering um, having my um, year of sobriety. Um, I, ha I was on Facebook specifically to be in one other community that was nothing to do with sobriety. So I didn't use my personal profile. I didn't use Instagram at all. Um, I just went into it with um, the thought that this is, is what I'm going to do. I didn't have a support system in place at all. Um, and it was then only once I was a little way in that I then realised that there and probably by then because of what I was googling you know yeah my phone was showing me the suggestions that then became useful to me and I did join sober communities and I did start reading and I did start um d downloading some of the sobriety books onto audible was really useful for me in the early days because I'd walk the dog and listen um and I suppose I never went into it thinking, oh, I am going to be delighted about, um, you know, my better sleep or my glowing skin or my brain fog lifting or anything. I went into it thinking I'm going to do this for a year and see how I feel. Um, so definitely, you know, as I began to feel better, it felt like I was being rewarded as I went along and that kept me motivated. I love that. It's honestly, I relate so much to your... How I'm you watching stop. you smile, Lisa. I'm watching you and thinking she's going, have you been reading my story, Sarah? <laughs> yeah, even down to like walking the dog and audible, like that massively helped me in the beginning. And just like you, I had no idea what to expect. I just went in with curiosity. And one of the biggest things that I was really curious was I just didn't know who I was without alcohol. Yeah. I, I just didn't, it was such a big part of my identity. I'd forgotten or had I ever even learned how to deal with things and communication. And one thing that I really want to talk to you about is friendships. I know we had a laugh then about your not real life friends. Yeah. <laughs> but do you, do you think your friendships have changed, Sarah, since stopping drinking? And can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so... I always would have described myself and would have been described by my friends as the life and soul of the party first, you know, on the dance floor, all of that extrovert shizzle, you know, the thing about, you know, Sarah's the social secretary in our group, you know, she's the one who says, right, first Friday of the month, you know, is the night in the pub night or going out for dinner or whatever we're doing. Yeah. And looking back on all of that, I organised all of that stuff because I loved being together with my friends and I loved having a drink or more with my friends and that that big feeling of connection. But the more I've gone along now into my sobriety, I've recognised that I'm not that extrovert. I am, in fact, 
much more introvert tendencies. And so the shift that I made, you know, with the help of COVID along the way was stopping organising the big pub nights out and started organising the lovely walks together or a brunch or that kind of thing. Um, And everybody has come along with that. We still have nights out in the pub um, in which everybody else drinks what they ever did drink and and I don't. Um, And it doesn't feel any different to me. Um, I think our friendships are deepened um, because the conversations we have now while we're out for a you know, 20 kilometre walk, we remember the next time and we follow up with stuff, you know, and if someone's having a problem, they get a text the next day because we haven't forgotten about what we've talked about the night before. So my friends are kind of in different, um, you know, I've got my local friends that are the ones that I would go out with more regularly. Um, My oldest school and university, and, and in all of this, I would say that everybody outwardly whilst they might have questioned what I was doing in the beginning, it has felt like there's not been any barrier between us. Things have felt, you know, carried on kind of quite naturally. Did lose one friendship right at the very, right at the very beginning of it that was a friendship based upon drinking too much and and that actually, you know, um, I don't feel any any worry about that that was just how that was supposed to play out um my university friends my oldest friends are completely absolutely fine about it but um lisa i already know this is going to make your toes curl um i was round at one of my friends houses recently and one of the other ones happened to phone while i was there phoned this other friend and she answered it on loudspeaker <laughs> Lisa, cover your ears. <laughs> honestly, honestly, she answered and said, "Oh, hi, Sarah's here." Because the phone was right in between us, and I said, "Hi," because there's no reason why we wouldn't have been having a cup of tea round at somebody's house. Why is it making me all anxious? Oh no! Honestly, my heart, as I say it, beats faster, and so. The friend who was calling was driving her car and obviously the reception dipped in and out and didn't hear me say hi or my other friend say Sarah's here. And she launched into, I have just been thinking about Sarah and this whole ridiculous non-drinking thing. I'm so cross. A couple, you know, years ago when she decided she was going to be vegetarian, she just did it. And, you know, I know it's no big deal having to think about somebody being a vegetarian, but, you know, she's able to just make these choices and do it. This alcohol thing, every time I pour a glass of wine in front of her, I think she's judging me. I think that I shouldn't ever drink in front of her. I know she's pause for breath she did the whole everything (laughs) other people are thinking she said the lot how Um, how did you respond did you go hi (laughs) i just ran off with my other friends that aren't real friends in real life you are you're going in there (laughs) and so my friend and i we were looking at each other and she was going shall i cut shall i cancel it shall i and i was like no it's fine it's like i knew that i could hear all of that i knew that i could listen to all of that and it was in no no way gonna make me feel different about the decision that i've made and all of this stuff that other people say 
I'm not going to say it's necessarily all about them, but it is none of our business. And she was free, you know, she didn't follow any up, any of that up with, and I hate her, (laughs) (laughs) my friend, (laughs) you know, it came from a place of somebody else watching somebody do something different. And it makes, it makes people feel uncertain. Of course, I'm never judging her when she gives, uh, drinks a glass of wine. I couldn't give a monkey's who around me drinks a glass of wine, but it's not my fault if somebody else feels bad when I've made a decision not to not to drink. We must remember that our decisions are all about us and what other people say and do is not our business. Absolutely. You know what? Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to add, everything that your friend said on the phone there is everything that my mum actually did say to me. Like, so she didn't say it to somebody else, uh, but she yeah. did come out. And when I said I was stopping drinking, she had that exact same reaction. She yeah. did not want to know about it. She didn't want me to talk about it. Like, because drinking was such a huge part. it We'd never even questioned whether we shouldn't do it. Yeah. So when I told her, and I remember before I'd actually stopped drinking, another one of my friends doing a 12-month challenge and she'd write on about this challenge and my mum would be like, why does she have to talk about it? Why does everybody have to know about it? Like, who who gives a shit if she stopped drinking? No, 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 no. And honestly... Um, and I know anybody that listens to the podcast now knows that my mum is just coming up to four years so far along with me. So it's so interesting. But it was definitely, and she will openly say now, it was her own insecurities around it and what she was drinking. And you do, you can't help it. But when I didn't drink and there were sober people in the room, I couldn't help but feel a little bit judged because I was aware that I I was suddenly aware that I might be slurring my words a little bit or saying something stupid so you're right it is it's nothing about you there and I just think it's so lovely and this is what comes across with people that stop drinking how aware we are of ourselves and other people and how understanding we are and we don't as a drunk me I'd have in my ass with that and thought they were being really but as a sober me I'm like oh actually I can, I can see why they thought that because <laughs> similar to happen to me Sarah as well with a very very close almost family member and I think I've told you about this at the Be Fit actually and she at one point I was on the keto diet and sober and obviously I'm talking about this I mean I talk about myself quite a lot anyway we all know that and that's fine I can't help it but I was talking about those two things and she actually outwardly said, I, I find you unbearable to spend time with this. <laughs> All you do is talk about keto and not drinking. And it, for quite frankly, it's boring. <laughs> and I was like, oh, right, well, I'm glad you feel like that because, yeah, your conversation about going out and getting pissed is so much more interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's about like-mindedness. And that brings me on to the next thing that I wanted to ask you about. So last weekend, you've been doing something very exciting with like-minded people tell us about it and uh, what that was like oh it's brilliant we did um lovely carolyn organized us uh be sober climb of mount snowden no less so it was such a lovely so we did it on the saturday there was 10 of us um we were aged from 28 to 59 what a lovely what a lovely 
uh, well I must tell you it was the best day ever <laughs> it was fabulous sunshine but not too hot um we it was a real team day it felt like there was really big talk about stuff big emotional stuff because you know you're walking alongside each other for hours and hours so you get that opportunity to go deep and there was lots of small talk and there was lots of getting to know each other lots of laughs um one of the girls in the group asked um somebody you know the who she was walking with at the particular moment. Oh, have you guys been friends for ages? And we all really laughed because we'd met each other the night before. And oh. that, that thing where, you know, a couple of people had met each other before, but as a group, we'd never come together. And it was, you know, on the same day we saw stag groups walking up the mountain, a bunch of drag queens walking up the mountain. Um, there was another, there was Change, Grow, Live, another recovery community. And I thought, oh, it's so lovely when you see groups of people who look like friends for a particular reason. And, and then you look at us as a group of people, men and women together of all different ages. You probably couldn't guess what it is that's brought yeah. all together. Um, and it because that is a game people like to play, isn't yeah. it? When, when you're out walking and you see groups, you're like, oh, I wonder what they do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it was just lovely because, you know, we um everybody everybody did it um it was a challenging uh, well as you can imagine it's a pretty big hill if you've ever seen it <laughs> um and we had a lovely time we went and watched the sunset on the beach and had fish Aww. and chips in the evening it was all lovely and I just love the idea that groups of people um then realize that they've got that power to organize themselves to do things that yeah. are perhaps outside their comfort zone that are driving away from the place that they live to meet people that they don't know to feel utterly utterly safe and connected um my son said to me on um friday morning um I went in to say good morning. Oh no, it was Thursday night. And I said to him, Oh, don't, don't forget in the morning. I'll be here when you um, wake up, but I'm leaving at eight o'clock because I'm driving to Wales to go and climb, climb Mount Snowdon tomorrow. I'll be back on Sunday night. And um, he said, Oh, oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Um, you're just having lots of amazing adventures. Mm. And I, my ego immediately kind of, I felt that moment of wanting to defend myself because I felt like I needed to say, oh, he, he followed it up by saying, oh, you're only just back um, from Ibiza. <laughs> and I, I wanted to do that kind of thing of saying, you know, I'm allowed to go and do things. I'm allowed to meet new people, do activities. I would, And instead I kind of swallowed that back down again. And I realized he wasn't, saying anything that was judgy about me going on adventures he was saying what he was seeing he's observing that my life does at the moment look like exciting things getting done and so then we had a really nice conversation about you know what does good adventures look like because it looks like different things for different people and I want to model for my kids yeah. a way of being that is making new friends, doing things outside your comfort zone, driving to new places, not being held in the place where you were for whatever reason. My husband does lovely. He likes going to watch bands. He does that 
by himself because we've got different taste in music. And then we have lovely family adventures together. And I want my kids to see that adventures are available for them individually too. And the best way is to show it rather than tell it. That's what I love about being sober as well. You know, that whole, and and again, weirdly, we were talking about this earlier, like being sober. I'm not saying you, you necessarily have to be sober to have these adventures. You definitely don't, but it really helps because you, you look outside the box for variety. And we were saying that about this year's birthday versus four years ago, you know, having variety in what you do that has come about because I'm no longer thinking, Oh, well, I need to go and sit in the pub and what can I do tonight? And how will I get, over my hang up you know all of those things make life just so much nicer don't they you just appreciate them so much more and I just honestly when you were speaking then Sarah I had goose pimples from my head to my toes like it was just all so every single word you said was so inspiring (laughs) from from the friendships that you've created and um that we've got in Be Sober to to showing your family that you can do these things it's like something really special that because I know that I used to show my children that weekends and having fun was about going to the pub and drinking with your friends and I know I did and sometimes I've got to like stop myself from beating myself up about that because you know what now I'm not now I'm showing them that you can do these adventures and my eldest daughter actually said something really similar to me the other week and she was like how do you fit so much in on a weekend and and it wasn't in a judgmental place either she was just so fascinated because I've never really shown her that before. And it's it's nice that we can share this and share our stories. And the, the mountain climb for me, honestly, all weekend I couldn't take my eyes off the social media because for me that was everything that Be Sober and my vision from the very beginning of what I wanted Be Sober to be about and to see people come from all over the country to meet up from all them different ages and share and support each other through a challenge one of our members said in the group yesterday if anybody calls it a walk I will punch them (laughs) I was like that's what Alex said to me the other week when I did the Yorkshire three peach she went do you want to talk about your walk I said a walk (laughs) yeah she did I got corrected. I do a lot, to be fair. (laughs) But it it was just amazing. And there's a picture that we shared on our social media that we pinched off one of you where you're all on that rock and it shows some people at the top of the rock and then one of our members pushing like another member up. And I think that picture literally just says what Be Sober is about. Everybody at all the different stages, the fun, the laughter, the the support, the helping each other up and... yeah all of it yeah is i I think that that um that thing of recognizing where your life has gone from something smaller to how it can be bigger um and particularly going back to the the kids thing um i definitely now feel like when my children are a bit older than they are now they're teenagers now but at that point in a few years time if I am watching them go out and have nice adventures live their life in a way that feels good to them I will be pleased that they will have seen that happen close to them at home and if my kids are happening to um drink to escape the stresses of life in their their 20s 
which would have been the way that I'd have been modelling through these last few years if I hadn't made a change. As a parent, I'd have felt, I, I don't know if I ever would have made the connection or not because yeah. we can't fast forward and we can't rewind. But to, I know I was showing them that the way you relax at the end of the week is by, you know, drinking too much. Now I'm showing them something different. I, I can only hope that that is the choice that they then yeah. make and how lovely it is in those challenges, you know, that you don't need anybody else to say to you or, or anybody else to, to tell you that, you know, we're going to go and climb Mount Snowden and it has to be, you know, planned, you know, months in advance or anything. You know, you can just get a group of people together and say, who's up for doing this thing? And you'll find yeah. other people will be drawn into it. And that's the lovely thing, you know, about being an ambassador as well is we get the chance to do the activities that we really want to do yeah. and just say to other people, do you fancy this? Jo join me for this. It's what what could be nicer if you are in that moment of, you know, making a decision about whether sobriety is for you, either, you know, early days and giving it an experiment for whatever period of time or whether you're well into it, but you need to pull some more connections and socialising around you. It's such a gift. It really is. Oh, oh I, I love this conversation. I don't want this to end. And you know what? It's not going to end yet. We're going to actually have talked to people for well over an hour because we've got more we want to know, haven't we, Lisa? I know. We might have to cut out that introduction. I'm just thinking we should just cut that out. But <laughs> no, it's, staying. It's, staying. it's definitely staying. <laughs> Well, you know what we do want to talk to you about, actually? Your podcast, Sarah. Can you, at what point did that start? Tell us about everything about it. Yeah. Um, so I always would have considered myself to be quite creative, but I was stuck in a bit of a creative slump, shall we say. I was into, well into my sobriety, felt fairly secure in my sobriety. Um, I was doing... Um, trying new art classes, having a go at lots of different things. I like to call it, I thought I was going to be able to go out and get a hobby. You know, if you make yeah. lots of sobriety, circles, people will say, find, you know, the thing that can, can occupy you. And I actually couldn't find the one thing. And so now I've come around to the conclusion that faffing is my thing. And I love to do a bit of macrame. I love a little bit of painting. I love some embroidery. I do lots of bits of different things. Um, but I don't know if you noticed, know, I really like talking. <laughs> and a way to create... You're good at it. <laughs> ...is to actually design think about and put something out using your voice each week it was never going to be singing for me um so my podcast is just a weekly podcast drink less live better um and i keep it really short and snappy because my original intention was that i'd always release it on a thursday and it would be the um alternative to the voice in your ear that was going oh go on you've made it to thursday you haven't oh, had a drink yeah. yet this week you know you could just have one what you know, I don't know if that ever went round in your head, but it certainly did in mine. Yeah. And so having small five to maximum 10 minute podcasts, um, I felt like that would be useful for people in those moments where they didn't necessarily what you know, they weren't going on a long dog walk. They didn't want a long form something. Um, so I kind of focused it on the 
the physical, the emotional and more and more now the spiritual side of um, of being sober. I talk a lot about my own experiences um, and it just means every week I'm going to sit down, have an idea, think about it, record it, edit it, stick the music on it and get it out into the world. It feels like a, a lovely thing that marks out a particular part of my week. And is it is it on all the major platforms? People can find it there. Make yeah. sure we get a link, please, and I'll add it to the description. <laughs> so, all right, well, we are going to bring this to a close. So um, I do want to mention before we do that Sarah is a head coach at Be Sober and is fantastic at it as well, runs the Supported Sober Experiment monthly, and also you can book her through the website. So take a look at um, our coaches on the Be Sober website. As you know, Sarah, we end our podcasts um, by asking people about our motto, which is be brave, be kind, be sober. And we want to know which one of those you most relate to right now and why. Mm. Um, For me, it is be kind. Um, I think it's such an underrated attribute, Um, you know, seeing other people let's go back to the mountain you know the big rock analogy you know being able to reach down to be able to help other people to be able to say a few words of encouragement of support um i think is so important i in the beginning i was never looking around for my support system i didn't realize there were kind people out there doing nice things for other people um so i just see it as a really important part of um as we come into sobriety, who we're all able to be right now. Be kind. Yeah, I love that. I love that one. It makes you feel nice as well, doesn't it? When you've like, I always found it really hard when people were kind to me, but I always really wanted to be kind to other people. So then I'd have found it really no, hard if they hadn't people. accepted my kindness. <laughs> so. You've always been a kind person. I need to say that you didn't always want to be kind. You have always been kind. Oh, thank you. You have. (laughs) Feel the love. Love that. I I hope you can come off the podcast feeling a little bit happier because we've still got an hour together yet. (laughs) You know what, actually? I do want to say, Sarah, because I've been so grotty today. When I first met Alex on Zoom this morning, I was like, I don't know what's up with me. I hate everybody I don't want to talk to anybody I think I might have even said and I'm so sorry Alex that I don't even want to talk to you today (laughs) do you know what I replied with ditto and she went what and I said ditto she did she was like the same and then I was really offended right but I didn't tell her I was offended but I thought who dares she don't want to speak to me like it's all right for me to say I don't want to speak to you anyway but the the point of this ramble is that I feel so much better now so I hope the people listening if you was grotty at all that you feel lots better too (laughs) (laughs) the energy out and we want you back because I really want to get in and I wanted to talk about today and we didn't but I want to talk about the um, spiritual side as well so do you think you'd come back Sarah yeah, part two yeah lovely I yes. can't believe we haven't spoken about the one thing that I actually originally when me and Lisa said to you to come back on we said oh should we talk about this and we've just not even talked about it sorry Sarah <laughs> <laughs> does open up an opportunity for part two though so yeah, yeah. wonderful <laughs> definitely thank, thank you so much thank you it's been lovely bye Thank you so much for listening today and don't forget to follow us or subscribe and of course, share it with your friends to help spread the Be Sober love. 
And if you want to find out more about the work we do or you want to join our amazing community here at Be Sober, you can find out all about us on our website, BeSoberOfficial.com. So until next time, be brave, be kind, and be sober. sober.